When I'm talking to somebody brand new, again, this is super high, high level and simple. I'm looking for two dimensions, Bob. I want somebody who's got leadership ability, high leadership. And mm-hmm. I want somebody who can follow a process. And as you probably know, Bob, those things don't always fit exactly the same way. I want somebody who has no problem with conflict. They have no problem with leading to it. They have a purpose when they talk to me. They are looking to do everything. And then I also want them to, to realize that there's no point in reinventing the wheel. Welcome to the Property Management Brainstorm Show with Bob Preston. Bob is the lead consultant and podcast host at Property Management Brainstorm, the consulting and strategic planning company dedicated to the property management industry. This podcast is for property managers and company owners seeking an in-depth look into current trends toward adding doors, growing recurring revenue, and building a high-profit property management business. You'll hear from leading professionals on hot topics, success stories, and strategies for expanding your company and assuring your property portfolios are managed efficiently. Now, here is your host, Bob Preston. Hello, brainstormers. This is Bob Preston, your host, broadcasting from our property management brainstorm studio in Del Mar, California. If you're new here, please subscribe so you get ongoing access to all of our great episodes. And if you like what you hear, please pay it forward with a positive review. Before we get started today, I'd like to give a quick shout out to all of our amazing sponsors for helping to support the show. Upkeep Media, Surevestor, VPM Solutions, Rentscale, Second Nature, Showdigs, Blanket, Latchel, APM Help, and today's feature sponsor, Z Inspector, who you will be hearing more about in a brief mid-roll about halfway through this episode. I hope all my listeners are working on kicking off the new year for their property management business. If you missed it, my final episode in 2023 was about the productive ways to kick off 2024. You may want to listen to that for some great ideas for getting your company off to a great start in the new year. If you've not already done so, one way to kick off the new year was to prepare a forecast for year door growth. The number of doors in your portfolio and your revenue per unit are the basic building blocks that drive your entire budget for the year. It's an essential forecasting process that every property management company should undertake. I've been through this forecasting process and budgeting process many, many times with my own property management company, North County Property Group, and further facilitating the process with many of my property management consulting clients. When considering door growth, an essential topic is the business development plan for adding doors throughout the coming year. It's critical to have a plan for this because some amount of property management attrition is expected and normal in any given year. In fact, according to the NARPM benchmark study, the industry average for most property managers is about 20% yearly door loss. Wow, that's pretty extensive, right? This means that at least 20% of new doors are needed yearly just to stay even at your current door level. New customer acquisition comes down to profitably generating leads, nurturing them through a business development process, and then converting them by closing and signing a new property management agreement. With me on the show today is Jeremy Pound, CEO at Rentscale. He's an expert in the business development process and in training top-performing salespeople toward door growth. We will discuss why so many PM companies are still kind of winging it when it comes to their customer acquisition strategy, and we'll unpack what you can do about it in 2024 to scale your business. Jeremy, welcome to Property Management Brainstorm. It's good to be here with you, Bob. Thanks for having me. 
Absolutely. I always start the show by learning more about my guests. I know you pretty well, but let's roll with that, okay, so our, our listeners can learn about you. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about RentScale? Yes. Uh, so, Bob, we obviously worked together at RentScale years ago and mm-hmm. love what we're doing now. I'm Jeremy Pound. I am a co-founder and the current owner of RentScale. It started with Jordan Muela from Lead Simple, which a lot of you guys might know. Also, the publisher of Strategic PM. just happened to have one on my desk right here. Nice. Uh, it's a magazine for property management entrepreneurs and executives. Uh, and through that endeavor, I also host a every other week live show. And the irony is not lost on me, but the show is called This Week in PM. We only do it every other week because it takes a lot of time to get it all done <laughs> and out there. Uh, but yeah, I, just in spending my career uh, investing in residential property managers, and I love what our company has done to, to help the industry elevate the customer acquisition side on lead gen and sales. So I think we've hired over 200 business development managers for the industry, wow. and we've worked with over 500 clients. So um, it's uh, it's a great opportunity for us. We love it. It's a privilege. And um, we just love being a part of this industry. Perfect. I mean, that's going to be the primary topic of today is bringing on new doors, new client acquisition. So, you know, if you're cool, we'll dive into that. You know, it just occurs to me that interest rates are high, probably at an all-time high, at least in uh, many, many years. And property sales listings are at an all-time inventory low, at least in my neck of the woods. And so from tracking the property management industry, arguably, it's probably one of the best periods historically for property managers, right? Right? And, the, and in the industry. So given the right market conditions, why still are so many property management companies struggling to bring on new doors? Well, some are, some aren't, right? I think you and I both know that. Um, yeah. The, the industry, I think overall is growing like crazy when we think about the amount of uh, doors under professional management. It's only an upward trend as far as I can see. Every metric I've looked at, um, some of that's anecdotal, some of that's actual, you know, hard data. It is also... Um, you know, a little bit, it does make me chuckle a little bit about that question, Bob, because just like two years ago, every NARPM event I spoke to was all about how to get your investors not to sell their properties, right? Like, yeah. it, was a, it was, a, it was right. just a, <laughs> of an eye ago that like everything was like, everybody's selling. Nobody would ever keep their property as a rental. And I remember my message was always like, why is everyone selling their properties? Because, you know, I think property values are only going to go up, especially in the residential side. You know, mm-hmm. I get there's all these multifamily complexes, but when it comes to like four four walls in a backyard, that's still a really unique uh, asset. And there's not enough of that. We're way underbuilt. We all know that. So it's just, it was really interesting. Like two years ago, it's always like, oh, it's a terrible time to be in property management. Let's get into the brokerage side. And now we blink our eyes, Bob, and all the brokers are like, let's get in the property management side, right? That's I mean, right. We're seeing nonstop. Um, so I just wanted to stop and pause on that. I think it's, you know, it's, it's very chuckle worthy how fast the pendulum swings like in any, in any industry. And that, um, you know, my, my best clients, my entrepreneurial friends, the people that I see doing the best, what I try to remind myself of, and it's hard is the best strategy is usually a three to five year strategy. It's looking ahead. Mm -hmm. So we all know the Wayne Gretzky, you know, I don't skate where the puck is. I skate where the puck is going. And that's what I was trying to, you know, really share with the industry. It wasn't just me. I'm not, it's not like I had this figured out. All the smartest people that I knew in real estate were thinking, hey, the rents are only going to go up. These assets are going to be crazy. People have these 3% mortgages. So it's just really interesting that. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, don't make decisions on a three-month or six-month time frame uh, unless that's right for you. I'd like you to think a little bit further ahead. But to answer your question, which is, you know, right on the point, I, you know, some people are not having a problem and it's yeah. maybe because they have this legacy momentum 
they've been around for 20 years and they're number one on Google and every agent in town knows them and they're building, they're, they're just, you know, basically um, taking advantage of the brand recognition they have. But if the industry is growing, there's a lot of opportunity for new people, right? And so what I love about property management is there's a lot of innovation and there's a lot of room for doing things in new ways. We know technology has played a huge part. So I also see new people coming in and they're just doing it differently. And so now everybody has to have a different strategy. The, the industry has matured. And so what the, the easiest uh, analogy that I like to share with my clients is you think that generating leads is like walking on a 60 degree day on a flat road, right? So I know you're in Southern California. I'm here in right. South Florida. It's a great time of year in the winter. Um, it's like 65 degrees outside. People go for a walk all day long. That's what you think lead gen is like. But I think today with the competitive landscape and the um, biases that investors have and the concerns that uh, actional landlords have, I actually think good lead gen is a lot more like um, going up a 40 degree angle with a 100 pound backpack on and wind in your face. Like so a couple of years ago, I, I hiked Mount Washington. It was a great example. They call it the deadliest small mountain on earth because so many people die. It's just crazy. The weather changes and it is like straight up and it is rocks and there is no tree cover and the wind comes like crazy. And the amount of effort you have to exert to get to the top of that is so much more than the energy that you exert just going on a walk around the block here in South Florida on a December day. So I just think, I don't think people understand how hard it is to actually generate leads in this environment. So I know that was a long answer, Bob, but that's what I'm seeing. And I, I guess maybe, you know, so many companies struggling is an overstatement, but I tend in my business, my new business, which is property management consulting, I tend to talk to companies who are struggling, right? Yeah. And what I find is that they're just still kind of winging it. The rest of their company nailed down. They've got all these great processes, all these great systems in place. But when it comes to like lead follow-up or even generating leads, they're still kind of winging it. You know, and it's just very, very surprising, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. You just got, you got to work a lot more than you think you do, but it's worth it because it's a recurring revenue business. Absolutely. You mentioned, hey, when you got started, there probably weren't that many competitors. Well, actually, there were. Um, I'm in the San Diego metro area, and my business was in the northern part of the county. It's a big county, right? And one of the things I found was that understanding the local competition and where they were focusing was really, really critical because the San Diego proper market was pretty saturated with established property management companies. I don't know if you know San Diego very well, but in North County, as it's called, like coastal, kind of the surf spot zones where there were a lot of vacation, a lot of high-end uh property value rentals, there really wasn't anybody who had kind of tagged that as their area specialty. So hence my company, North County Property Group, right? So how important in your mind is it kind of understanding that local market and the competition and just crafting door growth and a business development strategy? A, a client acquisition side, business development side, Bob, you, you hit the head on the nail. Do I really need to know that much about your market to operate a business? Can I come in and could I have bought your company? I would have needed to learn the market for sure, mm -hmm. but, but I would have actually been relying on the systems you had and the people you had and the technology you had. But when it comes to attracting clients and standing out, this is where I think local information matters so much. So the answer to your question is it matters a lot, specifically on the business development side. So even if you're an owner and you're thinking, I don't really need to know how much, I don't really believe how much local Intel helps me run my business. I can assure you that I can share with you 100 strategies on how to use local intel to close more doors and to win that business. Because to the investor side, 
you know, and I think that anyone watching this might think about this. Now, if you're super experienced and you've been owning properties for years, you may not remember this. But as newer investors, we do care. We do think our property is special. We do think we bought in a specific neighborhood for a reason. We do mm-hmm. want to know what's happening in the Northern California market and why that's different, better or worse than the rest of San Diego County, right? Like, you know, we do want to know that. And so I know that there is a a, a huge trend and for, for for good reasons for this industry to bring on more global talent. And maybe our uh, maintenance coordinators or assistants don't need to be in our market. But I can tell you head to head, if you give me two companies and you let me have somebody local who knows the market, who's willing to be an influence in the local market, go to local events, do things, know everything about the market, know how to discuss, use the, use the local intel and vocabulary that the locals use versus somebody who's just going to do it, you know, from anywhere and just call it like a, 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 a just a vanilla type of property management. I know that that local BDM or local owner is going to crush it if they really celebrate the area. It's just such a local business, right? So I, I think you hit the head on the nail there. Yeah. You know, I mean, if nothing else, to, to be able to give your own elevator pitch where you can describe your own differentiation. I mean, you've got to be able to do that. You've got to be able to stand out. Otherwise, you're one of these interchangeable parts of, you know, hundreds of property management companies that might be in your area. You know, so, yeah, you, you mentioned kind of, hey, I could come in buy your company, you know, and I, you have systems in place. By the way, I might use some things interchangeably today, right? Business development, customer acquisition, door growth. I mean, we're all talking about the same thing here, right? When we use those terms, just want to be, yeah. be clear. Yeah. Okay. So in that regard, building blocks, you know, what are the, what are the basic building blocks for creating a good business development program or customer acquisition strategy? Building blocks. Uh, Bob, we talked about this before. It's been a couple of years. Know thy customer, right? Know your ideal customer, know who you yep. built to serve, right? Doesn't that make us, doesn't that make our, our business development decisions easier? Where to market, where not to market. And doesn't that even make our business decisions easier? What to offer, what not to offer, how to price the product. So an immense clarity and confidence in who your customer is, is always the foundation, even before the building blocks, if I would use that analogy. Um, and then from there, you know, there is a finite number of people who today own properties that their property portfolio or their property makeup is an ideal fit and the owner is an ideal fit. And you want to know all those people. So uh, we talk about this all the time. I think that list building is the number one strategy in local property management. If you wait until people are ready to switch property managers or they're ready to hire, you're only talking to 3%, maybe 5% of the market. We know how to find investors. We know how to create content. We know how to give value. I want, as, I want to be having conversations and influence with as many people in my market that fit my ideal prototype as possible, even if they're not ready to buy from me for years. So I think that that mentality around list building is a, is a huge uh, building block as well. Um, from there, we also need to find the people that are just popping up and they're ready to buy today, right? We do need to be found on Google. We do need to have other real estate agents and influencers in our local community all the way down to things that people never think about, like divorce attorneys, probate attorneys, you know, anyone that has anything to do with financing. I think, you know, the best clients I have, I think even the mayor knows who they are, right? And so if anybody has a need in town, they're going to know who they are. So that network and being found when people are ready to buy, I think that's the duality that I see work, 
If you just try to over-index on only being found when people are ready to buy, you're missing out on so many people and your cost of acquisition is going to go through the roof because that's the competitive red ocean that everybody's fighting over. But if you also just go build a list, it's going to take you a long time to get some wins and get enough at-bats. And so I, I want you to be focusing on both sides. So Yeah, it's kind of a parallel strategy, right? I mean, you have to be doing both. If you're just banking on pay-per-click and waiting for the phone to ring, those people are they may be ready to sign now, but they're also talking to five or six other companies probably versus if you're out networking, you're going to be really talking to people who might be considering you in the future, but you have more time to tell them your differentiation and really get them aware of you. And then perhaps when they come back, they're ready to go, right? They don't even talk to anybody else. Yeah. I think in 2024, it is really hard to build a profitable business where you are not in it for the long term. Yeah. Right? What I mean by that is if you're in it for the long term, why wouldn't you want to be in conversation with all of your ideal clients years mm -hmm. before they hire you? So, you know, I think everybody kind of comes in and says, hey, I read this business book and I can spend $1 to make $2. And if that works, I'll do it over and over again. And yeah. I agree like that. There is a lot of um, a lot of fundamental expertise and knowledge in that statement. But if you think you're going to open on a Wednesday and by Monday of the next week, you're going to be able to just, you know, throw money on the fire and it turn into customers. I, there's just a lot of people, a lot of people that have more reputation, uh, more awareness, more money than you, more expertise, more experience that are just going to eat your lunch. Right. So it is yep. it is a long term play for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording when I had my property management business, North County Property Group, as, as the company grew and, and you even made reference to this earlier, you know, there were systems in place, processes. Well, you know why? Because I delegated things to other staff members right along the way. And instead of doing them myself, I helped them create the systems and the processes for doing that. Accounting, maintenance, leasing, just to name a few, right? Mm -hmm. One of the last holdouts for me, well, it, we were joking about this before, was yeah. the business development function. Because it's like, all right, this is my baby, you know, and I felt like nobody could really tell the story like me. So how am I going to give that up to somebody? And it was really difficult for me to trust in that. And I was afraid to let it go. But the reality was, I was only doing it with, you know, 10, 20% of my time. And sure, I could respond to people when the phone rang, but I wasn't doing that other kind of that other side you mentioned, you know, out there in the net, out there in the network, out there in the community, you know, out there meeting people and talking the company up. Do you hear that from other broker owners out there and PM companies that that's this is a tough one for them to give up? I do. I completely do. And I, I mean, that was the personal journey that I was on. I uh -huh. remember, you know, before Renscale, I had a, a a lead generation agency. I used to do you know marketing for other service companies like like property managers or like what we do at Rentscale. Yeah, and, and you know we were a fairly successful local company, and I had a, I had eight to ten employees, and I remember I was still doing all the sales. And to me personally, it was like I didn't know this until I later replaced myself, and then I looked back and I thought. I realized like that was my identity, Bob. Like I was the guy who could close all the business. And I started thinking to myself, like, well, why would all these people work for me if I'm not the one that can close all the business? That, that was kind of my journey that I was on. Like I started to realize I'm like, well, what is my job here if I'm not closing all the deals? Yeah. Super naive statement. You know, fast forward 10 years later, that is the most ridiculous statement. But I say that because I've talked to other people that feel that way. Some people don't want to give it up. You know, they feel like that's the value that they add to the business and mm -hmm. other people just love it. And like you said, Bob, and I think, you know, because our conversations, you can relate to this. When we're thinking of business development, we're remembering the highs of the highs. We're remembering the 
three calls a week or a month that we get where people are literally ready to buy. And all right. we do is tell them what we do and then they sign up. And we're like, I'm so good at sales, right? And then we then you get a look into a real business development environment where somebody's working 40 plus hours a week and they're building these relationships and they're nurturing a list. And and you re, you look back and you think about how many people in your pipeline weren't ready to close within a week or two and you completely forgot about them. But they were ready to buy in six months or maybe mm-hmm. a year from now or maybe even 90 days from now. But with the right follow-up, that person would have closed. I just think that, you know, we we have this like foggy sense of like what we do as owners and sales, and we're not really ready to do the work. Having said that, I got a few clients who they they are diehard salespeople, they'll live and breathe it, and that is what they want to do, and they're willing to take it seriously. And for those people for for a season of their business life, I think it's great for them to do the business development. But that's more rare than most of us, which just remembers the three calls that were basically like the layups, right? And we're yeah. like, wow, I'm so good at the sales side of this whole thing. That's all the, 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 the right recipe for me, and I and we, we were joking about this too, because I was lucky. I had my son, Brett, come in and he took over business development. Could totally trust him. He picked up on things quickly. He could probably do the pitch better than I could. But, you know, when he was on vacation, I got a little bit of a taste of it still, right? I used to come back in and, oh, this is great. You know, I'm going to close all these properties while he's away. I'm going to show him, you know, who, who can really do this. So it was always still kind of fun to be able to plug back into it when I wanted to. Listen, I still deal with sales every now and then when I have to, Bob, in my own yeah, business. Yeah. But I'll tell you, you know, we have a team of three salespeople. Yeah, we're growing faster than ever. You know what I mean? Like, I've got mm-hmm. no ego. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather just have the company grow. And by the way, the other thing, too, is the owner. And maybe, Bob, you can relate to this. I was guilty. I always try to tell my owner clients, remember, you're selling with all the authority, all the autonomy, right? You, you, That's you, right. Really, you can change the rules. You can discount things. You can be like... Yeah, we'll make an exception on that. Right, right in the middle of a conversation, right? Yeah, right in the middle of a pitch. This, and then you're like, well, why can't this other guy do it as good as I can? I can tell you that when you really get another person to do it, they're going to follow the rules better than you will. They're going to follow your rules better than you do. And it's amazing. Right? So, you know, I love it when my clients are like, yeah, I could have closed that deal, but they wanted to change all these policies and I just let them go. And I'm like, oh, I just remember myself, right? I'm like, my imperfect person would have been like, I would have just made the deal work. But then my operations team would have been mad at me. Who knows if that client was a good fit? Maybe we would have had bad reviews. So I think like all the reasons that we tell ourselves why, especially in property management, we have systems and we have standards, right? And we have rules. Just just imagine all of that rigidity being enforced on business development, because that's what happens when you got somebody who's yeah. really good at it. Very true. Okay. So if I'm a, a broker owner of a business and I'm, you know, reluctant to give this up and you're trying to tell, tell me, Hey, it's time, you know, give it up. Right. What should I be looking for? I mean, what are the key character characteristics of a successful BD manager, BDM, whatever you want to call it. If I'm hiring and within a property management company, what should I be looking for? So when I'm talking to somebody brand new, again, this is super high, high level and simple. I'm looking for two dimensions, Bob. I want somebody who's got leadership ability, high leadership. And I want somebody who can follow a process. And as you probably know, Bob, those things don't always fit exactly the same way. I want somebody who has no problem with conflict. They have no problem with leading to it. They have a purpose when they talk to me. They are looking to do everything. And then I also want them to to realize that there's no point in reinventing the wheel and just starting from scratch and just basically saying, well, I'm just going to wing it, as you said, which I know we talk about all the time. So on the left, you've got winging it. On the right, you've got sales process. Sure. Uh, on the bottom, you've got low leadership, which I call an order taker. On the high end, you've got high leadership. So 
you and I, I mean, maybe not you, Bob, but definitely me as the business owner, I have a ton of leadership, but I'm also going to make up the process all the time. And I call that, um, oh, it says caveat, sorry. It's, I call that the rainmaker. This is what we are as the business owner. And if we could just get somebody with our leadership ability, but to follow a process, we could just inch them over to the right and they could be a, a scalable top performer. This is what we're looking for. Now, there's a lot of other things that matter, but I got to tell you, this is the winning formula that we've seen over and over and over again. If I'm going to wing it and I've got little leadership, then I'm pretty much an account manager. If I've got little leadership, but I want to follow the process, I'm basically like an order taker and I'm just going to follow. In the very early days of the company, I had an agent with me who was really, really good. She was charming. She could go talk anybody, you know, never met a stranger, right? Could go out, close almost anybody. Problem was she was bringing on crappy properties. And, And sometimes, Jeremy, we wouldn't find out until, you know, a month or two later, like, oh, great, a new property. And then we realized, oh my God, this is an awful property. It's an awful tenant. That is the thing I think that I was probably always afraid of. I mean, do you find that sometimes keeping people staying in their lanes, right? I guess I call it, you want a leader, you want somebody who can go out there and do it and and be a rainmaker. But on the other hand, there's also, you've got to confine them a little bit because they got to stay in their lanes. Yeah. And I get it. They're going to be frustrated and that's not a bad thing. They're going to want to say, Uh hey, I just go close these people. But I've done it for, for, many, many years now, if not decades. And there are definitely people out there who get it and they build relationships with the people that then support those clients. And they know how to go back to those clients and ask for referrals and maybe maybe convince them to expand their property. And they don't want to be that person who is letting them down. So that person is definitely out there. Because I think once people believe that that person's out there, they raise their standards. Z-Inspector is an online and smartphone app that makes it easy to manage all of your property inspections and prepare professional reports for your tenants, property owners, and of course, your property management records. The features within Z-Inspector guide you through each property inspection, one detail at a time, utilizing customizable templates to capture your inspection findings, photos, videos, and inspection reports and documents automatically available to your entire team via smartphone, tablet, and computer with everything available, searchable, and organized and backed up in the cloud. Within the app, you can see real-time move-in, move-out comparisons. It connects with your smartphone camera or an external 360-degree panorama device for multiple photo and video options. 2D layouts can also be created within the app utilizing the measurement tool and the final report can be signed off digitally. Z-Inspector also syncs with your property management software. Are you ready to give it a try? Visit zinspector.com to create a free trial account today with no credit card required. So you're a proponent proponent when you helped us hire somebody. I can't remember the exact tool or process you use survey, but I think it might have been disk or something like that, putting them through some sort of a, an assessment right before hiring. We are. Well, we use business DNA. I don't okay. want to use it better necessarily than any other uh, thing out there. I think what matters is that you know what you're looking for. on yeah. this. And, and mm-hmm. you may have heard us say this. We we do want to like use it to just disqualify somebody who doesn't we don't think is going to want to be in that role, right? I mean, it's a huge investment to hire and train, and you know the way we work, we guarantee that person or we'll rehire them. So we don't want to bring somebody in who's going to be fantastic for forty days and be like, this isn't what I want to do. But right. I also say that it's not just a pass or fail assessment. If you've got the right tool and you know how to use the tool, it's also 
how will this person sell? So I got to meet your son, you know, Brett, who I'm guessing the way he sells might be different than me. And we might both be successful if we came in and we were BDM A and BDM B in your company. We just probably do things a little differently. And so we also think the assessment can help us understand that. Are they, are they going to be, you know, a real relationship driver? Are they going to be, you know, really outgoing and want to do high volume? Like there's a lot of different ways um, and a lot of different people that can be successful at sales. So yeah. I'm also not a believer, which I think too many talk about, whereas like there's some perfect test that will just predict uh, with 100% accuracy uh, who's going to be a, you know, a, a killer salesperson and who's not. If that's out there, please let me know. But I keep trying everything somebody sends me. Um, <laughs> sales is a, is a highly human dependent thing, you know, uh, and, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think it also depends upon what the owner of the company, the broker owner wants in terms of their growth rate. We kicked off the session um, I did with the intro talking about the forecasting process and how it's important when you're doing your forecasting and you're budgeting for 2024 that you understand what kind of door growth you need, what is really required to drive that budget because those are building blocks for the budget. So if you want that to be a slow and steady pace, some business owners like that. Others like want, oh my God, go out there and, and, and sign as many properties as you can. We'll figure the rest out later, right? Yeah. So there are different styles, I think, that I find when I'm talking to my clients. So I think those personality assessments really helps you understand that. Is this person going to be that methodical, like steady Eddie, or is this going to be the, the person who can go out and like totally kill it and bring back a bunch of new properties every single day? Yeah, 100%. And I, and I think that, that that's culture fit, right, too? I mean, what, yeah. is, what is the appetite for growth from the company? And right. it is important to have a BDM or anybody, in, even in your marketing role, anybody on the customer acquisition side, I feel like you can be a culture fit based on this idea of like how fast is too fast and how mm -hmm. low is unacceptable. So I guess a, a sidebar on this would be how do you motivate these people, right? Well, it kind of depends upon the person and some to some degree. But that, that's one of the common questions I get is, all right, if I hire somebody, how should I incentivize them, right? What's, what should the comp plan be? Do you have preferred models for that that you introduce to your clients? We do have models for, um, for compensation, for sure. We have, one, we have multiple models that we see work, kind of depending on, on how the portfolio skews from completely single family to a little more small multi. So mm -hmm. we typically don't work with any clients yet that are um, above small multi. And our definition for that is you don't need on-site management, right? Right. So, it doesn't matter. I don't care about the door count. Every state has their own rule. I know you're in California. It's probably a little lower than elsewhere. But 15 doors. Yeah. 15 doors. <laughs> doors. Yeah. So some of our clients have, you know, 34 door complexes in, you know, Georgia and they don't need on site management. Right. So yeah. that's what we call on uh, small multi for, for us. So if they're, if they're bringing on tons of portfolios, it may change a little bit if they're just bringing on single family. So I know you're in North County, uh, in San Diego. Yep. We've got another client in Ventura just up the up the road from you. A couple hours and, up, yeah. And and it's like their average rents might be six, seven thousand dollars, you know? Yep. And that's like ours, yeah. Like yours maybe six six doors reliably or fifty to a hundred doors a year is is like killing their business goals in terms of like what they want to do. Then you think about, you know, somebody like in Memphis or rural, you know, Tennessee. And, and maybe their average rents are six, $700, right? And so, so the door count can get a little, you know, out of whack, right? So what matters is like you're saying is that what we believe in is for compensation is uh, a mix of base and then, you know, goal incentives per the deal. 
Um, we like to actually create what we call on-target earnings. You got, you guys may be familiar with that. If you've mm-hmm. ever heard that, I think you are. Like T-comp, T-comp would yeah. be one way to, yeah. So it's like, well, if you're, if you're hitting your goals, this is what you'll make. That yeah. doesn't mean you're guaranteed that. And I think that a lot of owners who only have a property manager on staff and a maintenance coordinator, they're not used to these numbers. And so I say, Hey, if I bring in somebody and they're going to close 120 doors for you, they might make $120,000. And they're like, nobody at this company makes 120,000. Right. Like, I don't even make that much. You know, yeah. I hear that kind of thing. It's totally fine. But yeah. we're going to base it on local data. So we love talent.com. There's a great tool, Bob, on talent.com. It shows you a bell curve. Mm-hmm. So business development, you put in sales, and you can do Chattanooga, Tennessee, Boca Raton, Florida. You know, you can do Ventura, California. You can do whatever you want. And you're, gonna, you're just basically looking at comps, right? So when you rent a property, what do you do? It's a three bedroom. It's in this part of town, right? It's a, you know, a two-story. What do the comps look like for that? Why would marketing a sales position be any different? So the, 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 the hardest thing for people to get their head wrapped around is we go look at the comps and then we reverse engineer what it would take at your company to make that much money. Right. And then if you're working with us, we'll challenge you on it. We'll make sure you're not just, you know, you're not smoking anything and it's not a pipe dream. And you're not like, oh yeah, somebody's going to come in here. I've never closed more than four doors a month as an owner, but if I hire someone, they're going to close at least 45 a month, right? Uh, and if they do that, then I'll pay them, you know, a half a million dollars. So we right. kind of check that, but it, but it is a reverse engineer. It's very much like pricing a property. And, and there's a great saying in real estate that I love that uh, when it comes to pricing properties, if it's not selling, it's not compelling. We do the same thing in marketing roles, right? You put it out there and you don't get any good candidates. If it's not selling, it's not compelling. We need to rethink it. So that's what we like to see in terms of compensation is a, is a base. Why a base? Because in this kind of sales, it takes time to build a book of business, to build network. Now, maybe that doesn't matter if you're getting 150 leads a month because you just, you have a lead, you have a marketing machine that changes the, the mindset. Most people don't have that, right? Bob, most of us are saying, Hey, you go out there, you take the leads I've got and you develop your own. It makes people feel like they're part of the team. Not like they're a hired gun. If you're like, hey, I need you to come in and work the front desk on Tuesday because somebody's sick. If you're just paying them all commission, they're going to look at you and be like, why would I do that? Right. But if they're a team, they've got the base. They're really part of your team. And then we want to just starve out the underperformers and we want to golden handcuff the top performers. So if I'm closing one door a month, like maybe I'm not making enough money to live and I want you to want to leave, right? <laughs> Especially in California right. uh, from employment laws, maybe I want you to want to leave, right? Instead of like me having to fire you. Whereas if you're closing 20 doors a month, your compensation is gonna, gonna staircase. So the person who closes 20 doors isn't gonna make 20 times the person that closes one door in terms of commission. They may actually make like 30 or 40 times, right? Because it's gonna escalate for right. them. That's the person we want. So. Yeah. That's the compensation model we use. You did ask the question, Bob. I want to say this. You said, how do you motivate them? I was. Uh, I have a mentor, Jack Daly. He, he's not too far from you, actually. Um, and he's you know built two different billion-dollar companies. He's a great sales leader. And uh, I asked him on, on my podcast, I said, how do you motivate salespeople? And he says, you don't. You hire them that way, and you don't mess it up. And so when it comes to motivation, you just got to hire a motivated person and don't mess it up. And comp model is a big part of that. Yeah, give them a comp plan and, and uh, let them roll. You know, don't get in their way. Don't make them come into the office, all those kind of things, right? As long as they're producing. Support them. 
Like they're yeah. out there working hard for you. Make make their <laughs> celebrate their wins. Uh, give them a, if they need to make like a ten dollar concession to close a deal. Be the person that helps them do that. You know what I mean? That and again, I mean, don't change your policies and things like that. But but make it easy for them to win. That's what I yeah. think a good salesperson wants. I like that stair step model you talked about because you might be able to have like in our forecast, I need you to close at least I don't know. Let's just pick a number: five, six, ten properties per month, or whatever that is. And that's kind of that range, that sweet range where you identify, hey, you've got your base, and then per property you can make this much if you if you stair step it up and you go from five or ten, and then now you're at fifteen or you're twenty. The Maybe the commission for that bumps up a little bit. This is yeah. where it's really important, though. I want to caution people because I made this mistake. If you think that you're going to have your BDM doing multifamily doors, okay, you got to maybe have a little sidebar to it that says, okay, multifamily is comped a different way, right? <laughs> because it, yeah. to your point, if somebody goes out and, and, and secures a 30 door unit apartment complex, that's going to break your model. Great point, Bob. Thank you. And I will say we've done this for years. Anybody watching this, whether, you know, or anyone of your clients, Bob, whether you're a rent scale client or not, we will walk you through our comp models. We will tell yeah. you everything that we've seen work. We'll tell you the pros and the cons. We will always take that phone call. So if anybody wants to go through what we've seen work and how to create that caveat, send them our way, Bob. We'll be happy to walk them through that. Perfect. Hey, so let's uh, switch over to a different, slightly different topic, whether you have a BDM or not. And that's the importance of a customer relationship management software tracking purposes. And I'm blown away, Jeremy. I got to, I got to tell you, I talked to a lot of companies. Now, some of the companies that I speak with are, you know, fl still fledgling, maybe in that they're in that zero to 100 door category, or they're trying to get to 200, whatever it is. And I'm amazed at how they don't still really have any way for tracking their leads that come in. The phone rings, the property manager answers it, whoever that might be, it's potlucked that day. And they're kind of expected to take it through the course, but there's no way for management to track what's going on. This astonishes me because I know that there's some best practices out there. I got religion one day when I was first starting my my company, we were still kind of passing sticky notes around and taking messages from the, from the receptionist. And one of my clients one day said, uh, I'm really not too happy with the way my property's getting rented. You know, it's taking too long. Can I call some of the leads that came in? And, and like CRMs can also work for the tenants that call, right? So it's not just for new property, new owners. And I was like, uh, you know, I didn't know what to tell them, right? So I got religion on the CRM right away. And I think we we brought on Lead Simple there pretty quickly after. What are those best practices that you're seeing out there, right? Text messages messages, videos, emails, phone calls, and like, it's got to be timely, right? You got to get that quickly. Yes. Well, you know, I, I just say that all the time, like I, I'm passionate about building a business at scale. And mm -hmm. when you do things at scale, you got to do them different than you do them at a craft level, right? So if you're a woodworker and you're making one product at a time, you can have all the, you, you can have all of the standards you want and you can poo poo anything that's like uh, creating efficiency. But then I also realized, like, like you just said, Bob, like I was saying that for so long. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm really here to help somebody that wants to do this at scale. And if you're getting dozens of leads a week, there's no way you can keep track of them. Well, what I also realized is if you're getting three leads a week. You probably still can't keep track of them unless you've right. got a system, right? Like it goes back to that self-awareness thing that we started with at the beginning of the call. You're just, you know, you're, you're forgetting that you're not following up with people. You're, you're just expecting to take a phone call and either close them or not close them. And that is not sales. Like you, yeah. there, there is no, I mean, unless you have a marketing juggernaut and for whatever reason, they've made it illegal and for, to, for you to be a property manager in your, your county, except for you, you've got the one exclusive license. Like there's no way that you can just take phone calls and expect to close them. It's a complicated thing. People have questions. They need to think about it. They're shopping, right? So 
Yes. Organization. I, I say all the time, Bob, if I really think about it and I get any advantage, the number one advantage to, to sell more is have more volume, right? So if I talk to 10 people a week and I'm a master salesperson, but you talk to 100 and you're an okay salesperson, you're going to win, right? So volume is like hands down. If you can fix volume, fix it. The second most important thing, this is coming from a sales consultant, is just organization. And, and, and like, you know, when I think about, we looked last year, Bob, at like our average close rate from the time somebody talked to us to the time they closed. And this wasn't a round up, it wasn't a round down. The CRM literally told us that our average sales cycle was 365 days to the number, which wow. was amazing to see, right? You know, um, and we're a sales organization. We're working hard on this thing. And, and part yeah. of that is because of the volume, again, going back to number one, like we're talking to more people and not all those people are going to be ready to buy. That's a great model to grow a company. I hope everybody that's listening is okay with that. I think it's um, I think it's a it's a farce to think that oh I'm just going to only talk to the people that are ready to buy. You know I've got such a great product that they're only going to call me when they're ready to buy. I've yet to see that really work. Um, unless you're selling crypto or Bernie Madoff or anybody else, I've yet to see that model really work. <laughs> um, so and then the third thing, just to complete my thought on that, Bob, the third most effective thing to me is how good of a salesperson you are. So I make that point because I am here to help people become better salespeople. But I'm telling you, no matter how good of a salesperson you are, you can't trap volume and then organization, right? And so that's what, you know, Lead Simple helps us do. That's what CRMs help us do. Just imagine, you know, if you're managing one property or two properties and you're just like, yeah, I'm not really going to use an accounting system. I think I can keep track of all my expenses over the course of the year. And at the end of the year, when it's time to file taxes, I'm pretty sure I got it all figured out. I'll just pull it up then, right? It's the same analogy. So yep. organization is key. All kinds of other best practices. I mean, I think you were you were hinting perhaps at you know speed to lead, just getting back to people faster. I think that one of the things we talk a lot about today, Bob, you could probably relate to this as a consumer and, and now working with your clients, different people want to be communicated with in different ways. And so Absolutely. we don't force phone, text, or email on anybody. We, we say, you know, literally one of our follow-ups is, hey, I'm texting you because you filled a lead form with your phone number. What's your preferred communication style? And mm -hmm. think about it. If we're, I mean, like I, I, I use this analogy, but I actually think it's true, Bob. I think some people, you know, say, hey, I'm going to finally rent out this property. or I'm going to hire a manager. Maybe have dinner. Maybe have a glass of wine. It's 10 o'clock at night and you just go on the web and you fill out three lead forms. And then now you forget who you filled out from. You have no brand affinity. And then you've got three people reaching out to you. It's usually after hours they're doing that. Rarely, yeah. rarely is it during business. And they don't call you back. And that's why I always joke. I'm like, maybe they had a couple of glasses of wine. They forgot they did this, you know? Right. It's like, then they, it's like, you filled out my lead form. Why won't you call me back? Right. So yeah. just imagine how much we're going to, it doesn't matter how good your product or service is, Bob, at this point. I'm only going to get back to the people who are making it easy for me to get back to them. And so maybe I end up talking to the third best property manager of the three people I filled out, but they made the, the sales process that much more easy for me. They communicated the way I wanted to. They were friendly. They heard what I wanted. And maybe at the end of the day, I hired the third best property manager out of the three options, but I will never know that because they made the process easy. So they made it fast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the way you communicate with people. It, it really matters. A good CRM, regardless of what it is, there's some automation built into it as well. Now, I stepped away from uh, my business and working with Pure about uh, six months ago. But while I was still there, I had a guy call me 
This is this was my record, Jeremy. Ten years ago, he had oh, called okay. me. Ten years, right? Amazing. And he sat on this condo and he kind of lived in it, sort of had it as a second home, and then he rented it to his son, and then you know to a family member. And okay, well, finally, he was at a position where he needed a property manager. That process took ten years. That was the record, but he was still in my CRM. And why did he remember me? Because we had these sort of drip campaigns that were ongoing. So even though he wasn't communicating with us, you know, maybe once a quarter, twice a year, whatever that process was, he was still hearing from us and he remembered. And he remembered my name. It's incredible. All right. Let me let me just lean on that for one second, Bob. I love what you just said. A lot of us in this business and property management are investors ourselves, right? And why are right. we why do we love investing? It's because of compound returns. So let me completely think about your business model. You start a new property management company. 10 years later, you're still closing leads from year one versus 10 years later, you're only right. closing new lead. You're spending new money. You've got no compound. You've got no advantage. Why would you want to run that business, right? Like, like the longer I've been in any business, Bob, the more people like just fall into my lap. I mean, I can't tell you how time, how many times we just wake up on a Tuesday morning and we got a lead saying, hey, Jeremy, I'm finally ready to write you a $20,000 check. Like just yeah, out of- We talked a couple of years ago, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so that is compound interest in business. Why would you not want that? So I love that you shared that story and that I feel like that's probably the best way I've ever conveyed that concept that I think is so important in building, you know, a business today. Yeah. And I used to love it. We'd send out, like I mentioned, you know, depending upon how long the lead, how long ago the lead came in, we would send out these automated drip campaigns. If you've been with them last year, maybe it's every month, maybe it's every quarter. But every time we would do that, we would get these people from the past say, hey, wow, thanks for remembering me. You know, I might be ready to go in another two weeks or I might be ready to go in another month. I'm, I'm almost finished with my remodel. Whatever it was that they didn't share with us, which is the reason for their delay is now past them and they're kind of ready to go. And, and those people you can close really, really quickly once they're ready. Oh, yeah. Think of, I mean, no question you, about it. Bob, were you ever in BNI? Yeah. So like what that famous line in BNI, major life or business event, right? Right. That's why BNI exists. It's like, hey, I'm the title person. I can't go out and knock on doors for you, but I'm here when somebody calls me one day and they said, hey, I'm getting a divorce or I just had my fourth child or my kids just all went to college or, you know, I've got a job promotion and I'm moving to Seattle. Like that's, that's what we're here for, right? So yeah. that's. That's what BNI exists for. And I think we can recreate that model through marketing and through follow-up. So I love it. This is why you were able to exit your business. I, I get it. <laughs> That's right. Hey, so now I'm a consultant in the industry and I talk to a lot of different businesses and this topic comes up a lot. And so I don't know if you're going to agree with this, but I kind of put the property management businesses in two different categories when they start talking about business development. Yeah. Um, one is they just simply need help finding the right person right? And getting them plugged in. Everything else is pretty much locked down, tight and in place, right? Their systems, processes, everything looks good. The owner's ready. Find me a guy. And then I hear from other clients whose foundational pieces are still a mess. And it feels like those foundational places need to be put in place first. Those essential to successfully being able to bring on new properties and have them stick is that a good description of the people that come to you? Do you find that to be a, a good way of looking kind of two types of customers when they come your way? Oh, yeah. It's just, it, it, I wouldn't have, I guess I wouldn't have said two types of customers. I'd okay. say, where, where are you on the scalability path, right? Well, there so you go. Yeah. Same, same, same difference, I guess, right? Every job, you probably can relate to this. Not every job, because sometimes I just don't know how to do a job. <laughs> I just have to mm -hmm. hire somebody. 
But for the most part, every job that I did in my company that I've been handed over, I did. And then I did it with a formula because I'm like, wait, if I'm going to train somebody else, it can't just all be Jeremy magic. It can't be the Jeremy show where I just show up and I'm in a good mood. And I'm like, what does it look like when I'm doing this role? How do I want it done? I document it, right? And then I hand it off, right? And so to me, is it just a different way to say maybe what you're saying, Bob, is like, is it reproducible? Do you even know what you're looking for? Because don't hire somebody if you don't know what you're looking for, unless you're really going to bring it like a Bob, like, like I would hire you, Bob, because you've done it before, not as an employee, but as a consultant, because you know what it's like. And then you're going to help me make sure that I'm holding people to the right standards. And I think we do the same thing on the BBM side. But if I'm not hiring a Bob or a Jeremy, and I'm just going to, I'm going to turn it over, you better believe I'm going to be like, Hey, I'm following my own serum. I'm following my own training guides. And like, I believe that I'm ready to spend money on this. And by the way, sidebar, I think one of the reasons so many people are scared to spend money on a, their first BDM is because they can't figure out how they're going to hold them accountable because they don't know what they're doing. They're just taking right. calls, right? So I, it, does that, does that mesh with what you were saying? I, I think hundred percent, right? I mean, you have those people who are like ready to go. They're, they're ready to rock and roll. They know they need it. They've got all those processes. They've got their comp in place, whatever it is. And there are others are like, wow, I, I wouldn't even know what to do with the person if they came in. Right. And so oh. that's, I guess that's the kind of the counterbalance of, I call them two types of, of businesses, but you've described yeah. it a little differently. Man, I am so passionate about this topic. Sales and marketing has been my career always, you know, even before I, before I became a property management entrepreneur, you're passionate about it. We could go on talking hours about this stuff. Right. So. Yeah. But let's work towards wrapping up because we've got some time constraints. What do you see coming in the, in the next year for property management and the industry? And what should broker owners be doing to take advantage of, of all those opportunities that are coming in the next year? All right. Well, luckily we have two hours left because that's what we're going to need. <laughs> <laughs> no, too, yeah, right. Uh-huh. Sequel, maybe mid, midway through the year, but uh, a lot. It's a very exciting time. Like, okay, let's look at some trends here. More more 30-somethings than ever are coming into the housing market than ever, even bigger than the baby boomer generation, right? So right now, this decade, and what I like to call the new roaring 20s, which I really think we're in, Bob, uh, and I know that's a danger, that's a bold statement, but I really, I've been saying that for about two years. I I really do feel like we're in the new roaring 20s. Um, There are going to be more 30-somethings than ever coming into the housing market. And by the way, these 30-somethings were disenfranchised for a decade, not able to buy, living in these multifamily properties. And that's great. And you're right. Everyone makes this argument that the new multifamily properties, I'm here in Boca Raton, they're everywhere. These things have gyms. They've got bars in them. Like they're cool places. Like I feel like we're living in the Jetsons other than the fact that you don't arrive by flying car. But at some point (laughs) they're going to say, hey, I've got kids now. I don't like the neighbors in the hallways. Uh, maybe the kids down the and down the hallway are not nice to my kids. I'm just looking for a little more space. You know, we've got dogs. I think there's never going to be more demand for these single family homes than we've seen since maybe right after the baby boomers. And there's never been less of them. So I get, you know, when you say what's coming, like I can talk about a lot of things, but when you zoom way out to like first principles, I think there's going to be so much demand for single family residential properties because people are not going to easily be able to afford them. I think that the mindset shift of the, the coming families are, it's totally okay to rent. In fact, we might prefer it. It's actually much more convenient. And as mm-hmm. our industry makes it more convenient to rent, I mean, a shout out to my 
friends at second nature and, you know, uh, resident benefits packages and the, and the way that we're making it so convenient and concierge like to own a home without owning a home today, Bob. I mean, I just think it's huge. So I can talk all kinds of things about what I think is going to happen in marketing, but I just, the, the under overwhelming theme is just imagine if somebody is like, well, what stock would you pick? But you just felt like the whole stock market was just going to explode in terms of value. You'd be like, it doesn't really matter. Just be in the yeah, market. Throw, throw a dart. <laughs> I just feel like you got to be in the market. It's, it's just, I think right now, if you just have a, especially if you don't have a flat fee and you have a percentage of rent, okay, I might be wrong about this for the next eight months or maybe the next 18 months, but five years, if you just stay in the market, I think you're going to make so much more money. I just think it's, right. the, the value is just going to be there. We could go on, like I mentioned, for hours on this topic, but in the interest of time, we kind of need to wrap up. So what are your closing thoughts that you can share with our listeners? I mean, particularly when it comes to new property acquisition, business development, door growth, you know, forecasting for the new year. I mean, on this theme, what are your closing thoughts today? Well, I think, you know, I would share a message that I think is just um, universal across anybody listening to this, any entrepreneur, regardless of your size. We want options, right? Um, I heard a great podcast. It was maybe yesterday morning and somebody said uh, they became an entrepreneur and they said, I was so focused on retiring and my retirement plan until I started making so much money that I did need to retire. And then I forgot about <laughs> retirement and I just focused on what I wanted to do. That's optionality, right, Bob? Yeah. Uh, it's like, hey, I, I, I only focus on eating until I have so much food and then I don't even think about eating anymore. So I love optionality. And that's why I'm so passionate about the ability to, to market and sell. So a lot of people say to me, Jeremy, I have, I have like 300 properties. I love that. I don't know if I want to invest in sales and marketing because I don't really want to be at five, 600. And I was like, great. What if you just fired your worst 20% every single year? Like, what if you just went in and said, these 50 owners are not paying my fees. I'm going to raise my fees. 50, uh, 50 of those owners said, I'm not going to pay that. Just replace them, replace them. So sales and marketing should never stop. You may be overwhelmed. I, I was at the Lead Simple University, Bob, last week, and mm -hmm. everybody was talking about your business is going to run on autopilot. So we did a little, little survey last year. We, we found the top three objections why people don't hire rent scale. And one of them was, I don't think I can handle growth, right? And that was a valid concept. And I joked with the whole group. I was like, nobody's allowed to give me that that concept anymore because you're all you're all gonna like put your business on autopilot. But in reality, there's nothing wrong with just saying no to people. Like everyone's like, oh my God. Like I listen, I, I appreciate the right. confidence, guys. You're not gonna hire a rent scale on a Wednesday and then by Friday, people are gonna be beating your door down and be like, we had to we had to get a second phone line because so many people were calling. Like I wish we were that good, Bob. You've been through the process. It takes time. So my my parting shot is Invest in sales and marketing before you think you need to. It just creates optionality. Nobody wants to have to find money when they need it, right? The, the old adage when you borrow money from bankers is uh, borrow the money before you actually need it because no banker wants to give it to you when you need it. I think it's the same way. Invest in sales and marketing before you really need to grow because it takes longer than you think and it only creates opportunity. Nobody I've ever met has gone out of business because they had too much sales and marketing opportunity. In fact, the only reason I think any business ever shuts down is a lack of new customers. You can be losing money per deal, somebody will buy you. You can be not able to take on work and you can say no and you can raise your prices. 
But when you need business and money and you can't find it, it's a sad time. So always start before you need it. That would be my biggest record. I really like that advice. I mean, I started off the episode in the intro talking about attrition. Even if you're that 300 door guy who, you know, I don't really want to grow, but you're losing 10 to 20% of your properties a year just in normal attrition, you still got to backfill 60 properties, okay? You still need to have that flow coming through even just to stay current level of your portfolio. And you'll never feel confident raising your prices, right, Bob? Or adding that's right. You'll be like, I can't do it. Just holding on, just hanging on. I don't want anyone hanging on. And if someone wanted to reach out to learn more about RentScale or to chat with you or someone from your company, how would they go about doing that? Well, you can find us at RentScale, which is really easy. RentScale.com. We're on all the socials. Uh, We play nicely on Facebook, LinkedIn. We're always uh, communicating with everybody. Um, Bob, you you know about my new project. I'll pop over here. I guess the camera may show it, but we've got Strategic PM, the magazine. So go to strategicpm.com. Um, and if you follow strategicpm.com on YouTube or Facebook, we've got our twice monthly show every other week called This Week in PM, where we go live and we just talk about what's going on this week. We've got a really fun business development scoreboard. Have you seen this, Bob? I know it's a newer I thing. I have not. Well, all right, I, so check it out. We're typically getting the numbers from 70 BDMs all over the country. Wow. And we are now putting them into a scoreboard. So we are sharing with you, Bob, um, top five markets and how many doors per month they're closing. Uh, I think last month, the top closer was 25 doors. The previous month was 47. There's a rumor that in December, we're going to have our first three-digit close. We have somebody potentially 115 doors in a month. Um, And then we break it down by number of leads coming in, and we have uh, indicators up or down. And so we basically just show you how many leads are coming into the industry. Again, you know, we are a small fish in a giant pond, but I think we have the most access to this data more than anybody else. And so just like Profit Coach kind of created their industry, you know, uh, standards and their benchmarks, we're trying to do the same thing. We want you guys to know, is th- are things going up? They're going down. Is it a slow month? Is it a great month? And it's a lot of fun. So we share that uh, once a month. That's cool. It's kind of like uh, live benchmarks, right? You know, yeah. in the flesh. That's cool. Yeah. That's a great concept. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you, to catch up. And so thanks. Thanks for being on Property Management Brainstorm. Love what you're doing. Thanks for having me. Okay, man. Take care. As we wrap up today, I'd like to make a quick plug to our listeners to click on the subscribe button. Give us a like. And if you would, please pay it forward with a positive review. Thank you for tuning in to Property Management Brainstorm, where we are always working hard to find new ways to advance the property management industry. And we will catch you next time.